Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. I have a big shout out to all veterans. We thank God for you and your willingness to put your life um, at the service of the, our country for our safety, protection, and our freedom. Pray for, pray for veterans and pray for the families who make sacrifices so that their loved ones can be in the military uh, serving our country and serving us. So thank you, God, for them. Um, today, it's a Faith and Family Friday. I'm with my wife, Carrie. Carrie, thanks for being here. Hey, Tom. Carrie, I've got some questions for you. What are those questions? Well, you have to wait and see today on Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com. DrTomCurran.com. Hey, welcome back to the program. We're going to pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, uh, we love you and thank you and praise you. Lord, I ask that you would uh, bless families. Bless us, Lord, that we might use the capacities, the faculties that you've given to us, our intellect, our will, and our memory, to glorify you to live our own faith, and to foster faith in others. Lord, give us insight and wisdom with our intellect, our will, and our memory. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Carrie, were you paying attention to my prayer? No, you I was not. not. What were you doing? I mentioned... I'm texting uh, my son. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's so sweet. There's important things going on. Uh, is there really? Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Wait a minute, dramatic things? Things no, I need no, to know no, about? No, no. All right. So I mentioned the intellect, the will, and the memory. That means thinking, right? Determining, choosing, and uh, what memory? Memory is about taking something that is past and having it be effective in the present. And those three capabilities that we all have, brothers and sisters, they are meant to be used by God to help us to live our faith and to grow in faith, and to foster faith in others. So, Carrie, I've got questions for you. Okay. I do. Questions that are going to engage your intellect, your will, and your memory. So we're going to do this live. Are you sure that's going to work? It, I am. See? <laughs> see, now there's... That's a, that's a question. This is my memory working. I don't think my memory is, works. Is that I coming from that. your... Is, are you determined? Is that from your will, or is that your, your intellect speaking there? Uh, I just want to set the bar really low. Set the bar really low. Okay. First question. This is a question that is connected to your intellect. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? This... That you have to clarify that. Would I... I not know if you ask the question? Um, you're talking to your wife now. I I'm talking to everybody, not just talking to you. Everybody oh, okay. What's the question? All right. So <laughs> making Saint, me nervous. Saint Thomas Aquinas identifies these three worldly goals and goods that goods goods that <laughs> make it difficult to live our faith and, and flourish in our faith we can but they're often obstacles because they're so much connected to this world 
And you know the big three, right? Power, fame, and wealth. Okay, here is my question. Of those three, which of those, if you could have one, if God said, I will give you one, Mm -hmm. you could have one of those, which of the three would you choose? The interesting thing, I was thinking about this today. Were you really? Yes. I was actually thinking about the fact that I have no idea the temptation that someone like... um, Justin Bieber. Someone like Justin Bieber or Taylor Swift. The the amount of power... Or, or I thought you were going to say fame. That they have. Well, they go kind of hand in hand. They are definitely connected. But I've never been tempted. But I think if I had that like level of being adored and almost worshipped and looked to, having that amount of power and influence, I was thinking of it in terms of this, that God Almighty sent his son Jesus, who had five times, ten times that, and that I don't think I appreciate the fact that he gave it all, surrendered all to the Lord, his father for our sake to die on a cross. And I and I don't have anything to compare that to except maybe someone like Taylor Swift or someone who's very powerful that kids just worship just, and idolize. Are you I'm serious. God and Taylor Swift. I, I said he has five <laughs> to ten times five to ten more times, power. That's it? Not infinite? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. It's like it's, it's pretty powerful. It's just like so hard to understand the amount of fame and power these super influencers have, and so I can't imagine the the level of temptation, the level of how hard it would be to give that up, or how tempting it would be to go corrupt and to want it and to try to get more of it, and then that that insatiable desire to have more because you wonder like how can these politicians or people that are so powerful be so corrupt and it's like oh there is such power in that their temptations are beyond what they can morally manage i don't know i was just thinking about that today for some reason well there's that famous phrase lord byron power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely right but i have no idea what that means because i don't have any power (laughs) We most most of us are just the the regular folk. Yeah, just... the hoi polloi, uh, the crowd. Yeah, that's the Greek phrase, the crowd, the people, the populace. The yeah, when I think about isolating them, right? You could say a person of power could be a senator, right? Who's really not that, maybe not that well known, or a CEO of of a, a big company. Probably like, do you know the CEO of Boeing or T Mobile or Microsoft? Do you know the Microsoft CEO? No, you don't know any of these, but they have tremendous power. Right, um, and then you could say someone who's wealthy and they made their wealth, but they're unknown and they don't hold a position, but they've got a lot of wealth. And then there are probably people who are very famous who are neither powerful nor wealthy; they're just famous. Um, and oh, I'm just saying, Taylor Swift has power, has wealth, and has fame. She has yeah, all three. Yeah, when you say power, it's like influence. Yes, she has influence. She can't make stuff happen. She can certainly influence people because she, she has money. And- <laughs> she can make hundreds of thousands of teeny bop girls do whatever she commands. Oh, wow. And I didn't think has, of that. That influence. They are mesmerized by her. Yeah. Okay. So of those three, you're not really drawn to any of those? Oh, no. I was just telling you what I was thinking about today. <laughs> um, I think I would want... Wait, why am I say- answering this? I, I, I'm thinking of it because I think you and I have different ones. Oh, got it. Um... 
It's gonna. It's I not have one wealth. in my mind. I have one in my mind for you. And, and do you have one in your mind? It's not for me? wealth. It'd be fame or power. I think fame would make me a little nutty because I don't like fame anyhow. Like it bothers me. Like not that I'm famous on the radio, but I really hate the pressure. I think power would be the easiest one for me to to try to <laughs> manage. That's so of. much. I just learned. <laughs> I learned so much about you. What? This is why I don't like these questions. So glad. Because then you just this is so expose me and dissect me. Stop. This is. I wish I had asked you this 29 years ago when we got married. Oh my goodness, that is so. I chose it by the one that was the least difficult. No, because with power comes wealth. I just assume you can't just keep saying that. You can't just say, "Well, any one of these is like it's like a a triangle. You pick one, the other two are going to come alongside." I'm just I'm I'm isolating the one. I thought you would have said wealth. Why is that? Because then you'd feel uh, secure. You'd feel in control. You'd feel... because no, that was just... Taking care. Like, okay, I, I, well, I don't have to worry. That would be a huge distraction for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just bu- be busy about planning trips and events and spending it on fun things. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much good I would do with it. But no, I actually do good with wealth. I do give stuff away. Um, No, I don't think it's wealth. I think it's power. I think okay. that would be the most... That would allow me to influence the most people towards good. Now, isn't that fame? Fame. No, because fame is like being popular. Like people know me. And then you influence people. Uh, you have a platform. I, I, could only I think, think of fame holy. as having a platform. I, I think power, think... Ha- having a capacity to, <laughs> to move stuff. Okay. This is us like fighting over when we win $100 million, which will never happen. And we have these lottery fights. If I have <laughs> powers more, this is all like not going to happen. Power allows more influence because you're more influencing. I, I don't think, think fame can influence if you... If there's are fa- there are famous people who I just find annoying and bishops, bothersome. Bishops have power. They may not be famous But they're or just wealthy. not influencing right. enough. I well, want power for the sake of holiness, like to... Like that's where this is going. Power. You're wondering where all this is going. I don't it's, know. It's about it's about <laughs> holiness and God. Well, it's this is a fake fight. This is a fake argument, right? It's not. Well, here's for me. What about me? What do I want? What do you want? Yeah, uh, okay, I this think is really about me. Come on. Power. You'd want power too. No. Darn. <laughs> that was last on my list. Really? Maybe that's why we're married. This is complementarity <laughs> thing. I don't know. I, I don't say power. wealth. I. Wealth could, would be second. I kind of care less about that. Everyone. It would be fame. Okay. And I, because I think of fame as the concept of influence that... Well, that's because you just have a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> I don't think I have anything to say. I want to be listened to and you don't listen to me enough. That's another revelation if happening I was live actually profound here and on the program. You, won't have the, you have the power to shut me down and just say I'm walking away. I got work to do and I'm going, hey, wait a minute. I want to be listened to. No, that makes actually sense. I could see how... You would use your fame to really speak truth. Well, yeah. And so and, and so now this is where we take the godly use of these things. Because I want to come back around to Father Mark Noonan. Okay. So Father Mark Noonan, the very holy priest, philosopher. Uh, and I just wrote him a card. I, he, um, he was like, the goods that are of this earth, and this is connected to Aquinas, right? The goods that are of this earth can be used by God to do something magnificent. You can You can put those at the use of of um, a godly end and do something magnificent in this world. And, and he says that it takes wealth or fame or power in a stewardship to, to, to build something magnificent that is magnificent in the eyes of the world. And he talks about something like building a cathedral, 
you know, building a hospital, putting up, you know, projects that require, well, you know, it require the giving of earthly sustenance to accomplish a great end. And so I think that it's very important for us as, as human beings to stop and reflect, not what are we tempted by or even what are we drawn to, but how do we relate to things like wealth and fame and power? Do we relate to them as stewards that if they're given to us, if they come into our lives, we put them at the service of doing something magnificent for God, or do we just use them for our own self-aggrandizement? Think Taylor Swift. Well, and then into the degree to which she probably does way more and gives way more than I could ever give. So then it's... Does she? Degrees. I Believe me, she gives away more money than I do. <laughs> There's no question. But to what degree has she been given wealth? Yeah. So you're measured according to what you've been given. Okay, second question then. Would you be excited if God revealed to you that your daughter was going to be the next Taylor Swift? No. Absolutely hey, that not. That was quick. Yeah, yeah, no way. I would, And I was thinking about that too today. <laughs> wow. What else were you thinking about? I was just you thinking about... You didn't go to confession, about... so what were you thinking no, about? No, no. I was just thinking about how cumbersome, burdensome power and wealth and fame would be. And I don't think... We who don't have it don't realize just the burden that it is. And I'm not saying that those who have it would want to give it up necessarily, but um, the amount of temptations that would come with it, it would just be very, it just feels, to me, it just would all, automatically feels overwhelming. Yeah. I don't want to try it. Well, and, and I'm, I'm glad it. that you, I'm glad that you said it like that because I think at a surface level, most of us would default to, oh, I wish I had more of one or all of those three, or I deserve more of one or all of those three. And I'm pursuing more of all of or one of those three. Well, it's very yeah. common. Well, you're talking about it in such a grand scale. So just in small increments, like do you want a little bit more wealth, a little bit more yeah. power, okay, so a here, little bit more fame? All right. So part of the reason I'm thinking about this is that I've done this like real estate training, right? I've gone to a couple of these different conferences. And I am... Again, because I've spent my life doing mission and ministry stuff, going here and seeing that the underlying motivation that they take for granted, the people who are teaching these classes and, and the formation that they're giving, is that you want to get absolutely as rich as possible through helping people buy and sell real estate as an agent. And I'm like looking around thinking, does anybody here think this is weird? Does anybody here think this is odd? That's really what you get the sense they're saying? I mean, well, they really... do say that. It's, it's, it's presumed. It's underneath it all. Wow. And the, the way they set it up is almost like an infomercial. Like, we want to help you become so wealthy in such a small use of your time that you'll have time to spend with your family doing those great things that you want to do with your life. See, that's yeah. just the whole lead us not to temptation yes. and deliver us from evil. <laughs> Well, yeah, and so I just think of it so differently. Not that wealth and power and fame are evil. I said that they were very, goods, but they're very tempting. But 
absolutely, you know, power, all power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. The love of money is, you know, is the root of all evil. And fame is what? Fame is about being lifted up in front of the community as a model, as an example. Ideally, it's because of the virtuous life that See, you're exemplifying. See, that's why I don't want fame. <laughs> I don't have a virtuous life, no. I just like, ugh, that's just, well, maybe it'd make me So people more. pursue, people want to pursue the applause they, they pursue, they want to be lifted up in front and be, being identified as, as exemplary well, I mean, without you, deserving it. You say a, vir- a virtuous life. I think most people think of fame as I'm an incredible athlete, I'm an incredible musician, yeah, I'm exemplary. an incredible writer, I'm an incredible but, artist. You know, maybe one of those areas I wouldn't mind That's pursuing. what exemplary means. <laughs> but, means in the, but in the way of virtue, I don't know. Being a model, being a, an ideal, okay, right? Well, All right, well, we're up against a break. When we come back, Carrie, we're going to talk about the will. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out. DrTomCurran.com, DrTomCurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran with my wife, Carrie, and we're talking about the intellect, the will, and the memory. So I think that, Carrie, just to wrap up the intellect side of things, it's important for us to ponder what do we think about. What we think about grows stronger in us. What we contemplate, says St. Augustine, we become. It, It impacts literally our outlook on life and, and our attitudes and, and what we radiate, you know, into the world. So spending time meditating on growing in holiness and, and pursuing God's glory and then saying, Lord, I'll be a steward of whatever you've given to me, right? And if Jesus is our eg- exemplar, if he's our perfect model of what it means to uh, to live a life that glorifies God, well, he was unknown, he was powerless, and he had no money. So, you know, he literally is saying, if you're going to pursue me, <laughs> my the ideal life is is a life that does not pursue or cling to any of those things. So, all right. The second is the will, Carrie. Um, the will has to do with persuading, moving, motivating. And this has become a bit of a study for me for a couple of reasons. First is to come back to that whole real estate work. Again, part of what these folks in their trainings were doing is attempting to motivate me and help me find motivation to get a discipline into my life so that I'm being efficient and fruitful in how I spend my days, right? That's a good thing. It's very uh, getting systems and and processes in place, etc. The other source of my reflection on persuading and motivating is connected to basketball. I had my parent meeting last week or on, on Monday, and uh, I've been talking a lot with these high school girls at Chesterton saying, hey, try to persuade them. Come on, get on the team. Hasn't worked so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, one of my points of focus is finding sources of motivation for them in basketball. And do you know who has bubbled up to the top? It's amazing, this fellow, this basketball player, that as I've searched and studied 
who was a model of persuasion through how he played, how he practiced, and what he did to motivate others is really astounding. Do you know who I'm talking about? Uh, well, I'm thinking of the Netflix series, but I don't think that's it. They followed this, that. It is not a Netflix series. Are you talking around? about uh, oh, the, the Chicago Bulls? No, it was a, he, he took a football team, not a basketball team. Okay, so if I said it was a basketball player, since it's a basketball team, I'm, I'm trying to motivate. It's probably not okay. the coach of the, of the football team on Netflix. Okay. I just said he was oh, very motivating. Coach Prime. Yeah, I uh, don't know. What's it, Deion Sanders. Yes, yes. I did watch he some of his videos. He was super motivating. That guy's got a gift. Well, he just he he believes and he has faith. Oh, my goodness. He believes in what he says and you believe in what he says because he believes it so much. And it worked for the first three games. (laughs) And now they've. Well, he's entertaining. Anyhow, okay, so what coach are we talking What player are we talking about for basketball? You really don't know? Kobe Bryant. Oh. Why would I know? No, I didn't know. I, don't, I thought maybe you've heard me as I've been like looking for videos that you'd hear his voice. I don't know if I'd even recognize People's his voice. stories oh, okay. about this guy. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you've, you haven't heard anything about Kobe Bryant? I think you said to me he, gets up, he would get up at 5 and 4 go, 30 in the morning. And go practice before school or lift yeah. weights or something. Well, yeah, even more than that. So, one quick story 2008. So, as you re- you might remember, in the Olympics, it was for amateurs only until 1992. And then they had what was called the Dream Team, right? So that was Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and Larry Bird, right? Oh, yeah, yes. I remember. <laughs> and it was in Barcelona. Okay. And it was just like a spectacle. Everybody wanted to get pictures with them, with the Dream Team, yeah, even the players like that would lose. They yeah. were so excited to countries. just get pictures with these <laughs> best players in the world, and they lose by sixty. Well, yeah, the U.S. has always won, other than one like they got robbed in the Olympics in like nineteen seventy two by the Russians. But be that as it may, they lost in two thousand and four, and so that was like a shock, shock waves around the world. So they had to come up with what they called the redeem team. So that was 2008. All right. And as they were leading up to 2008, they were losing. They were not beating Spain, Greece. They lost like an embarrassing loss to like Puerto Rico, uh, something, things like that. And, and they were like, okay, what do we do to shake these guys up? And you know what they did? Kobe Bryant. Brought in Kobe Bryant. And it was to hear these guys. Now, remember now. This is like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, uh, uh, like the best basketball players in the world. And and they're they're trying to figure out why they're losing and they're not. Kobe Bryant shows up. Okay, so he shows up and this story about, you know, they land in this city and all these guys are going out to party and he goes and works out. And, um, and so they then they're partying, you know, all night. And when they finally come back in, it's like five in the morning, they see Kobe Bryant coming all sweat, sweating. He had worked out, gone to bed, got up at like four thirty in the morning and had done a second workout. And so as they're going towards the elevators, he's coming back from the gym all sweaty And these guys were like, 
what in the world? What in the world is this guy doing? And these guys, their stories were like, I, I had to show up at the gym. I had also Dwayne Wade's like, I thought I, I thought I worked hard. Like here I am top of the game, top of the guy, one of the top guys in the whole world. And, and this guy made me feel like I was nothing. So it's like he showed up at the gym and started working out before breakfast. Then someone else started showing up at the gym. And before you know it, like within a few days, all of these Olympic team NBA superstars are all showing up at the gym before breakfast, working out together. And they're at like story after story of what happens from there. And they just crush it. And they win the gold again in 2008. It was like, wow. Now, it's hard for me to talk positively about Kobe Bryant because he was a Laker. And I'm from Boston, Celtics. So this is, this <laughs> is a sign. He died. I know. He and Catholic, he was Catholic and he went, and to, he went mass. to mass that morning. Don't you just think it's easy for me to talk about him? I know. Now, well, now it's easy. But to hear him describe the path to, uh, to, to greatness, it was all about this willingness to... His sheer will. Sh- the will. Determination. Determination. The, 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 the grit to push, to say, I'm, I'm going to get better today, and all of that. And so I, it, I saw in him, in, in his like, wisdom... So much of what, again, our Catholic tradition and the scriptures describe as the path of discipleship, right? Unless you die to yourself and pick up your cross, you cannot be my disciple. Unless you abandon everything and pursue me, you, you cannot and become holy yourselves in every aspect of your conduct after the likeness of the Holy One who called you. Be holy for the Lord God, I'm holy. Uh, becoming a boy to a man is a difficult good. You have to pursue something that's not easy, comfortable, and it's going to require sacrifice and persistence and consistency to be able to have that, that other good achieved. That's what it takes to be a man. It's going to take courage, a willingness to suffer with patience and endurance. And it's like, Wow, I can be forming these high school freshmen <laughs> on this basketball team with these godly Christian ideals, godly Catholic teaching, and at the same time, um, have them look to someone who is famous, who could help persuade them or move them to be willing to undergo a, a, a path that is self-sacrificing for the sake of, of a good. Okay. So Carrie, coming back around though, uh, the idea of Kobe Bryant as a basketball player, inspiring others, I can like link it to, to athletics because there are so many scriptures that, um, utilize athletic, uh, images for inspiration, right? I think of inspirational coaches. I think of Andy Matson, right? He coached John Luke and the AAU team and I was inspired by him before I even knew him, watching from the stands, watching how he interacted with his players, how he prayed with them, and how he coached. It was very impressive. Super encourager, very positive, great teacher, just an overall great mentor for young adults and kids. And he loves Jesus. Well, I think that's what's so attractive about his style is it's always about Christ. It's all for his glory. Yeah. 
whatever you do, do it for the Lord and not for men. Uh, give it your all, right? Colossians 3, 23, 24. It's funny because I had several scripture quotes in my uh, PowerPoint presentation for coaching on Monday. Little did they know, most of them I got from him. <laughs> I, I, well, I got them from scripture, but he was the, he was the <laughs> one true. who linked to the scriptures, right? He who sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. He who sows generally, generously, reaps generously. So, boy, people who love Jesus are inspiring. And I, I was talking the other day on, on Sound Insight about the sadness of people who grew up Catholic but then fell away from the faith or walked away from the faith or chose a different way of living their Christian faith because they encountered people who loved Jesus and they talked about Jesus in a way that was so personal and real and profound. And that was enough. That was enough. Um, and I know that that's something that we, we look for. It's something that we want for our kids and for ourselves to be around those who don't just say the name, but radiate Jesus. Oh, I sent you that article about that famous tattoo artist. She was a big influencer, I think, on Instagram or TikTok. Yeah, that was very striking. I didn't that? read it, but you you um, started talking about that as a, um, like, hey, listen to this. And you were just talking about the way that the people who... Um, well, the fundamental reason which made her convert and come to know Christ and pursue that is she said, I looked around at all the people that I was hanging around with in the occult and in witchcraft and in pierce, they're doing tattoos and piercing. She said, they all just look so miserable. They all seemed miserable. And she said, then I... she said they were broken and there was drama. Well, you could and, just read it. And yeah. she said, and then I looked at some of these Christians I knew and they just seemed more full of life and peace and good and their lives seemed more healthy and she said it was during the lockdown when her husband started questioning all the, they were right in the heart of the BLM stuff. They lived three three houses down from the mayor from LA. And they just saw the total chaos and brokenness of these situations. And it actually, that darkness, that, that uh, bondage made them actually search for peace, which is interesting that I wonder why more people don't realize that. Like, how can you be stuck in this life situation and just not be so full of anxiety and depression, in which we know medications and, and that kind of thing is up a uh, hundredfold, and that one doesn't stop and say, okay, I need to get out of this. How do I get out of this, this chaos and this trauma and this uh, just constant immorality of not immorality like sexual, but more immorality like lying and stealing and and using and manipulating. I don't know. Anyhow, yeah, I can read that some of the article. It was just very um, convicting and powerful to hear her. And then for her, I think she was on Glenn Beck, and then she was on another podcaster. But just for her to, to come out very um, boldly and say, I've had to be reprogrammed. She goes, everything that I've learned, I've had to be totally reprogrammed. Yeah, she uh, called it a deprogramming. Deprogramming. Which is a really interesting word. Her name word. is uh, Kat Von D. <laughs> on becoming a Christian. Uh, you can read about it. It's Just look it up online. It's on the Daily Wire. Yeah. 
So anyhow, she's um, she was on this um, TLE, TLC series called LA Inc. So she was very famous with all the people that followed her, and they were more so anti-Christian. And why would you want to be, you know, conformed to these strict rules? Because a lot of people look at faith as you have to follow these rules, not know the commandments are given for our freedom to bring happiness that when you surrender to what is true, you actually find peace and freedom in it. Uh, anyhow, so she uh, renounced all these occult items in her home. And in early October, this is when every, it blew up, she published a video on Instagram of herself being baptized as a, as a Christian. And that's where this all kind of uh, took off. Wow. So this is just in the last month. Yeah, like she's been, been walking the walk for a, a while, but she finally posted an Instagram thing. She said it was during the lockdowns. Her husband's Rafael Reyes. He's like, hey, babe, I think we got it wrong. You know, I think we got a lot of things wrong, she said during the interview. So that's when she said they were doing the BLM really hard. They were living in L.A. and really into the Antifa movement. And it was right in their front yard. And they're threatened and all this stuff's going on. Just total chaos. And she says, you guys think it's bad? And watching it on TV, she goes, it was so much worse in real time when you had to live this than what you saw on TV, what they were going through. And that's when they just started reevaluating. Like, uh, I'm looking at my life. I'm looking at all these people. I'm looking at spirituality. And that's where they really started to think there has to be another way out. And that's when, um, I don't know who, how they got to faith, but. It'd be interesting to, to dig into that and find out. But it, it really speaks to that idea that when you're in the, like mediocre middle, neither striving for great holiness or striving for great evil. You just float along. All right, we're up against a break. When we come back, more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kernan with my wife, Carrie, on this Faith and Family Friday. So persuasion, the will, what inspires us, what moves us. And the story about this tattoo, famous tattoo artist who became baptized and has now come to the Christian faith, she experienced this being persuaded into great darkness and darkness ran its course and it wasn't fulfilling. It was just broken. Uh, Just to quote her, she says, my husband and I, we look at a Rolodex of friends that we have and the ones that are dictating their life through that and they're leading their life through that and they're making their decisions through tarot or uh, witchcraft stuff. Yeah, tarot cards. Tarot cards, they're all so miserable. They're the most broke people. Usually most of them are single. They don't have stability. And I'm talking about both financial and the love around them. There's always this drama and dread and doom and gloom, she continued. I was one of them. I looked around at my Christian friends and like I'm like, they're not perfect by any means, but I want what you have. Like I want the love and the light that you have. And that's where their search began. So, so when you read that, does that make you want to shine brighter? Right, it's like if we were more like holy and we had more radiance, we'd be more magnetic, we'd be more attractive. Yeah, uh, yeah, it actually does give you courage. It does make you. I feel like I feel like the whole Christian uh, wording has been attacked or been made to feel like the enemy, and that even I think in you don't want to impose by bringing up faith well, or God. That yeah, yeah, and I think it's even being attacked from the inside. It's all the people that are being deconstructed as Christians and this unfundamentalist, anti-Christian upbringing, and so they're attacking their own families, their own upbringing, their own sense of religion, 
I don't know if they knew Christ personally, but when she said she goes in her thing, she goes, I, she was deprogrammed things that I used to find attractive are disgusting to me. I wish I could put into words how amazing the changes are, but you wonder like, how does somebody go through life in the darkness and in the bondage and in the occult type setting and no one's, we're not there to say, hey, this way, hey, let the light come into your life. Or, I mean, it's such an act of grace in God's Holy Spirit, but also as a courage on our part and a, and a vibrant faith. Like and when you when you talk about Kobe Bryant having this incredibly driven personality to be excellent in basketball, it's like, I want to be around that person who's incredibly driven to be excellent in faith. Yeah. That they're so attractive. They're so on fire. They're, they're just radiating God that it, it's catchy. You, like when you said Kobe got all these players to do what he was doing, when one is around a holy person, it radiates out and people catch it. And then they start to go to prayer in the morning and they start to do all night prayer. And then they want to have, I'm going to seek the Bible or seek God and through scripture. And it's very contagious when well, one is pursuing excellence like that. And that's, yes, it's saints that are at the head of movements, right? God renews the church through saints. Well, right now I don't know any saints, but I'm telling you, <laughs> I was at, when I was on the Franciscan campus, it was very electrifying and I said this, we need this for adults. And it was easy to pursue God there. Yeah. It oh, was very so contagious. Powerful. Well, and yeah, to, to think that our, our we've got four kids there, it's just like such well, a gift. Imagine being at a, a basketball camp where you're all pursuing excellent basketball skills, or you're sent to a hockey training school, or you're sent to a soccer camp, you know, schools of some sort for high school kids down in Florida. And that's what you eat, breathe, think, sleep. And that's what Franciscan was when I was there and what, when I went to school there. And that's what I saw my kids. It's, you want to be around that. And so let's say we can't all go there, but where do you go to have that kind of attractive pursuit, um, pursuance, that's not the word, pursuit <laughs> of, of holiness Pursuing, and God? Yeah. Where do you find the, the priests in the congregation and the the holy men where they congregate and they gather and they're all like, let's go. This is what we want to pursue. That would be the best way to grow in faith. Cause I, you, I just feel like by myself, it's a real struggle. Well, do you know where I get it from? Uh, reading. <laughs> Honestly, it's reading. It's on your own though. Yeah. It's on my own. Yeah. I, I mean, I, when I read, uh, from Balthazar, when I read great saints lives, um, when I read very inspiring writings, it moves me, like John of the Cross. I get so humbled reading Saint John of the Cross. Yeah, or Father Jacques Philippe. Right? There are certain authors when I read them, they stir me to want to be holy. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, That's awesome too. So, or it's someone who has been anointed for a particular thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So to go back to the summer, I had that twenty-one day water fast. I. You know, that wasn't in my mind. It, it came to me as a gift from Brendan mm -hmm. Case as, yes. a, as an interview. It's interesting. Um, our daughter is at George Fox, and she is an English major, and she said that a lot of her friends in the junior year convert to Catholicism. She's in a smaller class. I think she said 13 kids are in it. It's like a higher level, higher level English. And to our 
Catholic, two are converting to be Catholic. Her teacher is Catholic. Um, so there's a lot of great kids that want to know the truth and are seeking, um, you know, what is the real truth of the church. And she says it's a kind of a running joke at George Fox that this is a year where a lot of the kids in this class will convert because they're reading um, Augustine and who else would they be reading? Dante, uh, the Inferno, um, Confessions, is yeah, that Saint Augustine. Yeah, and but then they end up going to like the local church. And and, like, Wait a minute! <laughs> their senior year, they convert back to the religion they were, or to the the form of Christianity that they knew, because there just isn't this vibrant Catholic group of. Uh, people to receive them. It's called the discrepancy between it's the just, faith that they read about it's and just, have discovered <laughs> and the faith that is lived in the local church. In the local church, which is so common. It's, even for me, it's like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Just the struggle to go into a Catholic church and see the people on fire. No, I don't see that. Well, you can you can watch a really inspiring video that talks about this wonderful movement that's happening in the church right now to close down forty percent of parishes. <laughs> so, so oh yeah, let's go. This is so exciting. Look at these beautiful pictures like of these the churches opposite. that are full, and they're full because we're closing all these parishes. Oh, right? What a terrible. That it's it's a it's a tragic it's sadness, terrible. and it's a sign, right? It's a sign of. Our need for conversion, our need for repentance, our need for penance, our need for we need to go. To the, we need to go to the uh, the camp, the Catholic camp, for a few months and get on fire. We need we need a calamity. I I, I always go to that, and it's a really sad thing. Um, you know, it's we need the spiritual war has to set our houses on fire, and we have to realize that we've got to uproot and. and it, everything's at stake. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of stumbling around for language, but I, I don't think it's more. It's more than a calamity. It's a great. It's a move of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you most always, people. You always go with that. You a calamity that. is depressing, and it, you close in, and you get more depressed, and then you're on medication, and then people are thinking suicide, and it's you get grumpy and irritated and angry. <laughs> I'm not talking from personal experience, but uh, I think heart hearts will harden in a calamity. They're not going to soften towards God. They're going to get mad and they're going to rise up because nature right now, our culture has been so self-centered and narcissistic that there's no way people are just going to humbly open themselves up to God and say, okay, God, we'll let you have chance now. No, they. we need to be moved by an enlightenment, a power of God, a move of the heart where he breaks in our hardened, self-centered hearts and draws us to him by his grace and mercy. Okay. So that's kind of like I read about these stories of Muslims who have these dreams of Jesus. Yes, I want a dream. <laughs> I, no, if no, I, have I just, you heard that? Sure, yeah. They have these dreams, and then like, they all have these dreams of Jesus saying, I'm the Messiah. A man in white. And a, repent a and follow me. And they hold, their whole family, you know, the whole bunch of these people have this dream, and they all convert. And it's a life and death situation. Yeah, exactly. Like if it, they convert, they could that's, lose. That's the house on fire part. Their life. Like, there's a lot at stake here. But... You're right. It's based in uh, a, a movement of God, an intervention of God. I don't know. I just, I just feel this sense of God is not mocked, and we mock God as a country with all of these heinous 
moral crimes that we commit against God Absolutely. and human dignity. Absolutely. And, we, and so many that are leading the way are Catholic or Christian and are doing it in a way that they say is supported and promoted by their Catholic or Christian faith. And it's just an evil and God is not mocked. Uh, and so, uh, so that, that's the part of the Lord saying, the Lord saying what's in scripture, the Lord says, you want to eat those sins? Great. You're going to experience the interior pain, suffering, darkness, spiritual bondage that, that comes along with that. I'm going to let the effects of those sins land on your head. Well, I, you know, and that's very scriptural too. Yeah. That people will rise up against God because they realize that Christianity is the one that will take a stand to the point where there's going to be a persecution because they see. Absolutely. They see there's a divide. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, we're up against a break, Carrie. When we come back, let's continue the conversation. Solve world's problems. Welcome back to the program. So, as you were saying, Carrie, we were solving the world's problems. I so maybe we just need to do more of that. Uh, pray and fast for God to move with greater power. Uh, you know, we don't cause it to happen, but we can help clear away the blockages and dispose ourselves for it's happening. Right? Yes. That's yes. the that's sort of the spiritual principle. That's the that's the Father Jacques Philippe. Right? Mm-hmm. Come on. Hey, we've got our we've got our couples group going on tonight. <laughs> So, okay. What's the last one? That the third one's seen? memory. Okay. So we, we talked about intellect. We talked about will. Now we're talking about memory. And these all relate to? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're creating the image of God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, intellect, will, and memory. And intellect is, what are you thinking about? Because that's going to impact what you're pursuing and, and what's impacting your life. Will is is what's moving you, what's inspiring you, what's persuading you, and how are you being persuasive or not? And now memory is the power of the past to made effectively present here, now, and today to give you direction, to give you encouragement, to support you. So, for instance, you have referenced how many times in our married life as an inspirational source the time you spent praying during lunch in high school in a particular spot, there was a favorite spot where you would go and read the scriptures and pray by yourself in lunch, during lunchtime at Kennedy Catholic. Where was that? I was Colby Bryant in high school. I was very focused on <laughs> seeking the Lord. Uh, I was in the confessional. In the confessional. Within right? the so chapel. In the chapel. Yeah. So, right, so you knew that. You remembered that. So you remembered that. And so what, what was the influence when you would think back to that, well, how did that influence? How does that influence you when you when you hearken back to that? Uh, I think in those in that time in that season, I really had an authentic pursuit love for God, and I wanted to please Him, and I wanted to do anything and everything to bring people to know Him. Like there was this fire within me, and this formation of the best thing I could do is evangelize and get people to experience the love of God the way I had experienced it. 
and some people might say, oh, that that's the radical kind of crazy, um, like all sold out for him. But there's, when I think about it, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I really had great joy and peace. And But there was also that kind of burden of they don't know who Christ is. They don't know the Lord. They don't. They don't. They are not saved as far as encountering Him to have a changed life. They were really pursuing um, partying and drinking and just a lot of inappropriate, immoral lifestyle. I, it, it's kind of the same there, um, or in a lot of high schools. But I really did it for the sake of love. Now I feel like now I feel part of my pursuit of God is out of determination and will and knowing this is the right thing to do. It's the commandments. And I pray, Lord, awaken in me love for you. Jesus, I want to love you with all my heart, with all my strength, with all my mind. And throughout the day, I will recollect that, like, uh, Lord, awaken that passion and that heart, that heart that seeks you. Because a part of me feels I do it more in my mind, and I don't have the same strength of emotion or passion to be all sold out. And so it makes me sad. And I think, you know, partly my, I'm to blame in that if I spent maybe more time in prayer or more time with him, then that love would grow. Well, that's what we experienced. Yeah. Uh, so two things about that. The first was you, you only have that sense of there's sadness and there's more because of the memory you have of being all sold out. It's like, I, can can some form of that be brought back into my today? Can that be made real for me today? But the second part of it is, I can't just feed off of yesterday's grace. No. I I need to not be, like, it's it's the speaker who just tells the same old stories from 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and I, it, I'm not the same person because now I have so many more responsibilities. It's the cares of the world. It's the pleasures. It's the worries. It's the, you know, it talks about this in the sowing of the seed. I have nine children. I'm not, and a, and a husband. <laughs> I'm not free to just. Thank God I got fit in there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Thank you, Jesus. I got in there. Got mentioned. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. <gasps> nice. So really, Let's it's go. Be first. I'll take that. Uh, so there's so many more worries and pressures, and they're all. I mean, these are all really good things: a husband and family, and a call. But I don't think it's all in the right order. Or I don't allow my surrender to God and that that freedom to totally flow in my walk with him. Does yeah. that sound like just a bunch of religious language? I don't mean to sound like, I don't want to sound as if I'm just talking, but there is truth in there. What I hear you saying is, <laughs> let me try to, sum, let me summarize. Let me sum, let me sum up. That would take too long. Let me sum up. <laughs> the, yeah, the, just the cares and burdens of the day easily crowd out a desire to focus on God. And if I, I knew if I focused on God, my freedom and peace and joy would grow and my radiance would grow and I would have more of an all-in, sold-out way of living. Uh, so I, when I think about this for me, I remember, I love to, to go back and remember special whether it's seasons or special moments, and they're often connected to places. Okay. Like the chapel at in St. Clement's Hall. St. Clement's Hall is the name of the building where St. John's Seminary College is or was. 
So that's when I went to my, you know, when I first entered the seminary, I was in St. Clement's Hall. And I have so many memories of prayer times in that chapel, whether it was early in the morning, 630 in the morning, I would kneel on the left side of the altar on the, at the base of the sanctuary. And Steve Donahoe would kneel on the right side <laughs> and it would be who could stay there longer, kind of a Kobe Bryant thing, hmm, right? mm. you know, get in there, who'd get mm-hmm, there first, mm-hmm. who would stay the longest. He would win. He would win. He was holier than I was. Very impressive guy. And, and then so many times at night I would go there and for my prayer time as well. Just so those are special places. Like it's a, it's a, I remember that space becomes invaded with the experiences of God. That's why I love to pray on that left-hand pillow on the couch in our prayer, in our living room, mm-hmm. which is my prayer space, mm-hmm. because of the memory of the experiences of prayer I have there. So it, it helps me. It, it just, it floats, you know, it, it, it carries... Um, a weightiness in that space. So do you ever feel that? Because like, when you come uh, out, you sit yeah. in another chair, yeah? No, I really, well, this is only when I go to the, when I go to the seminary and pray with them, the guys and do adoration, there's a holy, fervent, pure, it's, it's a great place to go pray. And it inspires me and motivates me. They have the Sunday night. Holy 6.45? Hour. Yes, to 7.15. No, 8.15. 8.15. Yep, 6.45 to 7 is Vespers, solemn Vespers sung, night, evening prayer, and yeah. then hour of adoration, and then Compline or night prayer, 8 o'clock. It's open to the public. Come on out. Bishop White Seminary. And when you go there, I do feel, okay, this is a Catholic space where I sense people going after God. And it could be, you know, church could do adoration and have that experience, but there it's just uh, it's small and it's a lot of good incense, nice candles, <laughs> nice singing. No, I, I need all the ambience no. I can get, Tom. I need all the emotional you think it's triggers. Not, okay, so this is my own. This is my discernment. Okay, my discernment is someone very holy prayed there for years, and that place became invested with the holiness of the one who prayed and, and cried out to God and, and God answered and moved in that space. It became a, a monument to the was encounter Bishop, with God. Is it Bishop White? Who is Bishop White? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know either. I think he's one of the founding bishops of the well, Diocese of Spokane. Bishop White Seminary. So maybe. Um, but I could tell when I would go to certain chapels and, and churches in Rome, there were some that had such like a palpable sense of spiritual power, holiness, and others that just didn't convey, even though they were all old, grand, you know, grand, beautiful, majestic churches. That is true. There's, it's like a, a saint, a saint prayed here. A saint lived here. I don't think I felt any of that in the chapels I prayed in in yeah. Seattle. Yeah. Okay. Do you? Uh, is there a place or a space? I would say, yeah. I mean, uh, in Rome, there were a whole bunch of them. There were well, several. I know. I'm talking in the Northwest. Oh, yeah. No, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Still working on that. <laughs> oh, maybe the closest would be those uh, Carmelite uh, nuns, that small chapel. Oh, okay. Where you had the spiritual attack. Oh. Yeah, you remember that? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. All right. Well, Carrie, we are at the end of okay, our Okay, we have a lot to pursue here. We do. We do. Intellect, will, and memory 
God will use those folks to help us grow in holiness today. Use these great gifts that God has given you. Hey, thanks so much for being with me and with Kerry today on Sound Insight. God bless your day. Join me on Monday.